Buckle up your pant legs and zip up your hats. It's time for Sounds About Light, a podcast that is once again about Kingdom Hearts 2. I'm Sam. I'm Drew. Oh, and zip up your <laughs> zip up your penis. What? Oh, you don't remember Pete's cool outfit? Oh, yeah, I do remember Pete's cool outfit. I had a lot of thoughts. His dick zipper? Well, doesn't everybody have a dick zipper, kind of, on your pants? I suppose, I suppose that's true. Uh, just usually it's not comically large and visible. Yeah, I suppose not. I, that really wasn't even, I don't think I even noticed that. I just, it's just a fucking wild outfit. There's too much to look at. Well, I hope I didn't make it up. Ah, oh, you're probably right. Pete Kingdom Hearts penis yeah. zipper. Just, oh, just, no, 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 no. Google Pete's dick zipper. I'm sure that I get think you. the problem with it, and yeah, he does have a gigantic uh, zipper right over his dong. I think the problem with it for me that really upsets me is the fact that because it's so big, and unlike a normal zipper on a normal pair of pants, it's not like covered up by a little flap of fabric. He's practically inviting you to go for it. Well, it does sort of appear to be overalls that are over like a onesie. Um, and it, there's like a button that's pinning it to the onesie underneath instead of suspenders. Well, see, this is, I think, very thematically interesting because yeah. it's kind of the the opposite, vertically flipped, of Sora's outfit from Kingdom Hearts 1. Sora, of course, was wearing a onesie with a little jacket on top. Pete's wearing a onesie with little pants on the bottom. Yeah, and as we all know, Pete is as, as equally an important character to Kingdom Hearts as Sora. <laughs> well, well... I'm sure he's important. There's no way he's that important. Anyway, the optimal combat strategy against Pete is to just go for the zipper. I would think so, yeah. <laughs> it's just right there, asking to be pulled down. Yeah, if that doesn't work... But maybe that's what he wants. Not, maybe he's got, like, a grenade under it. Could be. That would make... Oh, he's, yeah. I think those are probably in the giant cargo pockets, which are very cool. Yeah, I'll be honest. I was, I was just thinking about uh, how I kind of added a little bit of days-themed... Uh, ice cream spice to our our previous intro and i was like well i gotta bring something into it and the first thing that came to mind clothes wise was pete's big zipper so you know that may maybe that was a swing and a miss on my part i i think it i I think that the fans will love it (laughs) (laughs) okay we're back to kingdom hearts 2 we are at the end of the prologue uh what was going on roxas roxas um tried to fight diz but he couldn't because he was data and then mm-hmm. he got absorbed by Sora. Yes. And then we had Mickey time. And then Mickey showed up. That's right. Yeah. Mickey Mouse from Disney showed up. We get a, a title card, and that's where we left off. Uh, we get a little a little Roxas vision calling out to Sora, and then Sora wakes up, and it's actually Donald and Goofy. And they're yelling at him and trying to wake him up, and they're they're probably jealous that they didn't get a cool room to sleep in in their little pods. <laughs> yeah, they had yeah they they had just like little tiny pods. They didn't even have any like nice music to listen to in there, like Sora did. They're definitely and what a nice guy Goofy is, though. Mm-hmm. That he if if I was Goofy in this situation, I would be like, now why does Sora get the big pod? I'm the tallest one here. Yeah, but Goofy would never say that. No, he would never say that. Uh, but if he did, it would sound exactly like that. It's true. It, it was it was a spot on impression. Uh. I I love Sora jumping out of the pod and hugging them, and they all dance in a little circle. Yeah, I was. It was good to see them again. The even Jiminy, even yeah, and the Jiminy showed up. I was like, oh yeah, hey Jiminy. 
Good to see you. There's a part, I can't can't remember where it is. There's a part where Sora has some comment about, like, the five of us, I mean the six of us. (laughs) Yeah. Nomura, you didn't have to insert that part. Yeah, we should just forget about Jiminy, maybe. (laughs) I always do. Yeah, Uh, this sequence looked really funny, because there's, like, a part, because Sora comes out, he does a big stretch, and I said big stretch. Um, Big stretch. And then... He looks at Adal and Goofy, and they're not looking at him, and it looks like they're chanting. It's really strange. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I don't remember them chanting. Were they chanting Sora, Sora, Sora? Well, you, they just kind of like, they're like moving their arms and looking down, and they're like, it's just, it's a very bizarre shot. I'll, you should go look at it again at some point. They may have been uh, worshipping their lord. Oh, yeah, King, Lord Lord King Mickey. Jiminy checks his journal, and the only thing left in it, as we know from Chain of Memories, is the words, Thank Nomine, and Donald, the biggest prick in the series, is just like, Some journal that is! Yeah, and I was really, I was just like, holy shit, once again, what is playing this game like if you didn't play Chain of Memories? Because Sora emerges from a pod... And then <laughs> think Nomin. What is any of this? It's the the one thing I will say from my experience playing this without having played Chain of Memories originally is it's at least fairly clear that some memory stuff has been fucked with. So sure. So at least you're like on the same page as them, where they are also confused about it. Yeah, because they do like a they like talk about what happened in Kingdom Hearts one. Yeah. And then, like, and then I guess we were in a pod. It literally goes sepia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they, they head back out to Twilight Town. They they walk around and find their way to the old hangout zone. And Hayner, Pence, and Olette, and I don't know if this was supposed to be like, oh, man, there's, like, something missing from their friend group without Roxas. I assume that's what it was getting at. But it is weird because they are just, like, a group of three friends in the real world. (laughs) So we just see them all looking miserable for no reason. (laughs) They're just sitting in the room silently, not looking at each other, not talking, just staring at the floor. Well, it's also weird because I thought that real-life... Hainer, Pence, and Olette were friends with Roxas, but not as close of friends as he is in the digital world. Well, timeline-wise, they met him twice. I think the last time was, like, day 190 or so in in the game. So, you know, it's been, like, several months since they met him that second time. They've just been depressed the whole time. (laughs) Like, when is that boy in the weird coat coming back? Yeah. He was the glue that held this friend group together the one time that we met him. (laughs) He stunk like ice cream, and he was just tons of fun. It really paints a picture of them where it's just like, do you guys like each other? (laughs) (laughs) No, they just had had to do a homework assignment together, that's all. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's why they're so bummed out, is because summer's almost over. Yeah. Uh, But Hayner gets really aggro on Sora, and he's like, what are you doing here? We don't know you. This is our spot. And he's like, get out of here. He, like, leaves, and then the others are just like, oh, sorry about him. He's a real asshole. (laughs) It's uh, Yeah, I mean, that's how you have to deal with a Hayner, I think. Yeah, I feel like I might have said this during the prologue, or maybe it was in days. I do think it's funny getting to see that, like, Hayner is very much the type that is not really friendly at all and will, like, push everyone away unless they're already his friend. Yeah. 
it's a miracle that he has any friends at all. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I feel. I mean, it's definitely a very like anime stereotype character. I feel like. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But Pence, Pence and Olette, when uh, Sora, Donald, and Goofy introduce themselves, they're like, "Oh, there was a guy looking for you." Uh, what did he look like? Oh, he had like a black coat on and, um, trying to remember if he had any other distinctive features. Oh, he had big round ears that the coat was shaped around. (laughs) I mean, you know, that's just like anybody. And, you know, we, 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 like we said, Riku had his own version, his little, his little ears. So it could have been any, it could have been either of them. I would probably lead with the fact that he was an anthropomorphic mouse. (laughs) Well, that's not very notable. Uh... And even even Sora, Donald, and the Goofy have to, like, comically think about who he's talking about. <laughs> the king! They head to the station, and they get attacked by nobodies. Yeah. There's a, a little thing here that I thought was interesting, which is that there's a zoom-in on a Dusk's face, and then it, like, cuts to Sora looking confused. I was kind of wondering, because the Dusk's, like, sort of communicated telepathically with Roxas in the prologue. I wondered if that was, like, one of them, like, trying to talk to him and failing, maybe? I always just assume he's confused because he's never seen a Dusk before. Yeah, it was the it was the zoom in on the Dusk's face that, that I got kind of hung up mm. on. But, I mean, I would also be confused if I was confronted with one of those fucking things. Yeah. They're, they're gr- <laughs> Very I, weird design. They're still great. They're still creepy. They do mm. a lot more of, like, opening their mouths, I feel like, in this game. And it's 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 unsettling. It's very weird, and I I don't like their zippers either. No, but that is the new that is the Nomura way. <laughs> That's right. I don't like any of his zippers. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so they fight the nobodies, but they get kind of worn out for no clear reason. Well, they until they were asleep for a year. Um, That's true. No, you're right. I forgot. This game does. Uh, uh, a pretty satisfactory job of contriving a reason for the the player character to become very weak between games. They should have come out and been like all like emaciated and like <laughs> their muscles have all atrophied and then there's You know what? I think I feel like I remember Sora looking really really weird and skinny at the start of Kingdom Hearts 3. I don't know if I'm making that up, but I think he kind of is. Really? Yeah, they should have... They, they, sh- they do make a point about how his, his clothes are really short on him now. Well, he grew, because he got bigger. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, it should be like the scene in The Matrix where Neo's got, like, weird needles growing his muscles back. <laughs> anyway. The Matrix will be in Kingdom Hearts 4. Uh, right. Mickey uh, leaps off the clock tower. Fall damage doesn't exist in this part. No. I mean, it never does, but in cu- this is like the only cut scene where a character is like, I could jump off the clock tower, it's fine. Uh, and he, he obliterates those dusks, and he does... <laughs> I love when they do cool anime pose stuff with fucking Mickey Mouse, where he's like, he's like got his back to them, and he's like got the keyblade drawn out to his side, and he like holds an arm up, and he's like, you need to... Sorry. You need to leave town! I can see why you wanted to do the other voice. Uh, that's that's <laughs> I forgot that he was Mickey Mouse. Yeah, no, it's very because he never looks at them, right? He just always has his back to them as he's doing cool shit, and for no reason, by the way. No, that like in the first game, famously, uh, Disney was like, "You can put Mickey Mouse in once." But he's in this game throughout, and there's really no reason for him to not just be like, "Hey, guys." Yeah, he's he's in he's in murder mode. 
<laughs> yeah, he's like, I can't look at you or I might kill yeah. you. <laughs> he's too powerful. I've got the bloodlust. <laughs> uh, he hands them Roxas's money pouch, which is funny. That was, yes. And, uh, notably, because we already know this from days, but the last time that we saw the money pouch, it was quote-unquote Ansem stealing it from Roxas and returning it to the real world. Uh, so we haven't seen where it went from there. So this is a little clue that Riku, or Ansem rather, is in touch with Mickey Mouse. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Must be. Which is part of the reason that I think it's totally fine to play days before you get that. Because, like, yeah, it spoils that reveal, but it's also not hard to put together on your own if you're paying attention. Well, uh, I think how, like you said, like, either game will spoil the other one. So it's just which one you yeah. care about more, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And um, back to that moment where <laughs> Sora, Donald, the Goofy are like, who is Pence talking about? <gasps> the king! Mickey literally talks to them with his Mickey Mouse voice, and they see his Mickey Mouse ears, and then he leaves, and they're like, was that the king? <laughs> <laughs> Look, it could be any mouse in a in a, in a a robe with a keyblade. <laughs> was that Mortimer? Could have been Mortimer Mouse, that's true. Could have been Minnie Mouse. Could have been Minnie. Could have been Minnie Mouse. Could have been Minnie. Should it, it could have been Mickey's dad who might exist in some cartoon that I've never heard of. Yeah, uh, Dickie Mouse. Mitchard Mouse. Mitchard Mouse, yeah. Uh, so Sora is like, oh, if, if Mickey made it out of the Realm of Darkness, then Riku probably also did. So I can just go find Riku, and then we can go back home to the Destiny Islands. What are you two guys going to do? <laughs> and Donald <laughs> and Goofy are like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> they actually don't, I think they take it pretty well, honestly. They, they like, glare at him, which is very, very Donald, but yeah. Goofy's face looks so ridiculous looking at Sora like, uh, are you serious, dude? But then Sora points out how ridiculous they look, and they look at each other, and then they all have a laugh. I love these three idiots. Yeah, they're great. It's, they are, we talked about Shion and Roxas and Axel being good friends, but they're not. These are good friends. <laughs> right. This friendship is so good that all other friendships are shit. <laughs> Correct. Um, I was a little sad when Sora said Riku is here, because I'm like, well, kinda. He's all handsomed out now. Yeah. That's gonna be a bummer. Yeah. I think something that I really like about Kingdom Hearts 2 is we really see them come together as a trio in this. Like, they they're friends in the first one, but like, Donald and Sora don't really get along much for pretty much the whole game. And he has that great moment where he, like, is like, no, Sora, don't stab yourself with a keyblade. And I love that. But I feel like this is the game where we really see them being friends. And I, I, I think it's really good. Yeah. I think Chain of Memory started doing that, too. But um... yeah, that's true. Not Not quite as much of it, but... Also, it's a much shorter game. Right. And now we get our first secret Ansem report. Oh. What does that mean? Well, you'll you'll find out very soon. Uh, so, yeah, in this game, we don't get Ansem reports. We get secret Ansem reports. And uh, as a little bit of context, because there's something weird in this one, in the Japanese original release of Kingdom Hearts 1, the Ansem reports go 0 to 9, 
in English final mix, we had one to 13. I assume they renumbered it from zero to one just so that we could have 13 in final mix. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's going to mention, uh, report zero in this one. It's referring to the first one where Ansem is like, I'm the king and everybody loves me, but I gotta do some science on darkness. <laughs> uh, so here is Secret Ansem Report number two. I have made a grave mistake. My study of the darkness of the heart began with a simple sci- psychological test and quickly snowballed. Spurred on by my youngest apprentice, Ienzo, <gasps> I constructed a massive laboratory in the basement of my castle. Unbeknownst to me, my six apprentices then began collecting a large number of subjects on which to perform dangerous experiments into the darkness of the heart. As soon as I found out, I called my apprentices together and ordered them not only to cease their studies, but to destroy the results of their research thus far. What on earth was happening within the hearts of my six beloved apprentices? While pursuing the mystery of the darkness of the heart, could they themselves have strayed into its depths? Yet I remain the most foolish of all for having begun these experiments." We are not meant to interfere in the depths of another's heart, no matter what our reasons for doing so, and my error plunged me into despair. A visitor from another world soothed my dejected soul. A tiny king named Mickey came, wielding a legendary key, the infamous Keyblade, said to bring both chaos and prosperity to the world. He was very knowledgeable on many topics, and we deepened our friendship as we conversed companionably on a podcast. (laughs) Upon his advice, I decided to review the data obtained at my basement lab. That is when I discovered the Ansem reports. Though they bore my name, the only one I had written was number zero. Apparently, he had gone on to pen numbers one through eight himself. Yes, the first subject in my foolish experiments. So this is like a big retcon. Uh, it's hard to say whether this was intentional or not from the beginning. But, yes, in a very literal sense, this is a huge retcon. Ansem Report Zero, the original one, was written by the real Ansem, and everything after that was written by one of his own test subjects. Mm. We also got a little Ienzo shout-out. Yep. And a huge Mickey shout-out. I love the phrase, a tiny king named Mickey. Yeah, that's very, very good. Uh, yeah, so... Another thing that I'll point out about this one that I think is interesting, and I'm maybe getting a little bit ahead of myself, but the note about six apprentices, if you go back to uh, that intro to Days, it mentioned that the first six members of the organization were the founding members. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. And one of them was Ienzo. Put that together. It was Ansem's six apprentices who founded the organization. All right. Okay. Hmm. That is interesting. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get a lot more into this stuff over time. I do want to note, uh, it is really funny to me reading these things now, because as a kid, I skipped all of the reports. I would literally (laughs) just open them and be like, there marked as red moving on. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking reading. No, thank you. It's so funny, though, like, how how much of the plot is in these reports. Just, like, there's so much stuff that made absolutely no sense to me at the time, and it's only gonna get worse as we get more of these. Yeah, you... I don't know how I got through this game. Yeah, you'd be super lost, I feel like, without some of that stuff. Sure was, but I also was lost with Chain of Memories, so I was like, whatever! 
Video game. I'm like 12. Yeah, fair, fair enough. <laughs> uh, so Hayner, Pence, and Olette go to the station to see them off. Uh, they don't really know why, but they they feel like there's a reason, which I think that's just them picking up on the fact that Sora seems to have some connection to them that none of them understand. Yeah. And Olette notices that Sora has the same money pouch as her, which is weird because I think she made it herself. Hmm. I felt like she should have made a bigger deal about that. I agree. <laughs> hey, you have like, the wallet no, of my friend. Why? My friend's yeah, disappeared weird. and you well, have his wallet. Well, bye. <laughs> nice meeting you. Yeah, that's fine. What did you say your name was? Sarah? <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, Sora gets pretty sentimental about leaving and Goofy's like, oh, you're just thinking too much. Shut up. Correct. Good job, Goofy. Uh, and then Sora says goodbye to them, and he he sheds a single tear, and he doesn't know why, but we know why. Yeah, we know why. Yep, he, because he's sad. Yep. Uh, they all they all watch the train leave, and they kind of stare at it, like what what are we feeling right now? What what's going on? Uh, Sora, meanwhile, on the train, tells Donald and Goofy that he's sad and he doesn't understand it. And to, for to their credit, I really like their response, which is like they also don't know why he's so sad, but they're just like, we'll come visit. Yeah, that was nice. They are good friends. Yeah. Uh, he also finds the blue crystal in the pouch, which I can't remember if that has any significance moving forward, but he does find it. Yeah, he did the traditional move of having the crystal, which is to hold it up and ponder it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just pondering my orb. Yep. And, of course, this means inside of him was a very sad Roxas who could not hold up his own orb. <laughs> That's right. He never got to. Yep. Oh, no. Uh, and then the train passes through a portal, and it just continues along these sort of, like, ethereal-looking aurora tracks into outer space. Didn't expect that. No. <laughs> well, this is something that I think is interesting, because, um, we know that this same, like, wizard hat train goes into, uh, simulation Twilight Town, but it doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere, and now we learn why is because this is the train to Yensid's mysterious tower in the realm between. Is that the only place it goes? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. They just get off when when they get there, and it just vanishes. So, can anyone get on the train to Yensid's? That is a good question. Considering that Sora, Don, and the Goofy just bought a ticket for the train that was already in the station. Yeah, it's <laughs> a very good question. It might be just some weird magic that Yen Sid has set up where everyone else just sees the train and is like, <laughs> I'm not getting on that train. I guess why would you get on a train that, you know, you're not, uh, <laughs> isn't going somewhere you want to go? That's true. You know, you go to the station, you look at the timetable and you're like, oh, the, the six o'clock train to Mysterious Tower. I don't need to go there. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to buy a ticket to the Mysterious Tower. I'm clearly Tower. not invited there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, meanwhile, we get a little scene with, uh, Axel, Ansem, in big air quotes, and Namine, uh, watching the train leave from on top of, uh, I think it's called Sunset Hill, where the dog in the bag was. Right. Uh, Ansem, who I'm just gonna call Riku from now on, because we know that he's Riku, uh, he tells them, uh, to go, and, uh, Namine says... They, they might not have a home, but there's someone that she wants to see. And she looks at a little drawing of Sora and Roxas. And Axel says, me too. And then Axel says, hey, Ansem, are you going to kill us? 
Yeah, what? And he says, no, I'm actually not going to do that. I didn't bring you here to kill you. That is what Ansem would say. Ansem, uh, he says that he knows... Ansem. Riku says that he owes them both for helping us at Castle Oblivion. And he tells them to just get going. And this is another big clue that this is not Ansem, because that wouldn't make any sense for Ansem to say. But it would make a lot of sense for Riku to say. Yeah, although, again, the, uh, oh, never mind. They they would, well, we, if you only play Kingdom Hearts 2, you wouldn't understand any of it. But Yeah, I mean, if you only play Kingdom Hearts 2, you're going to understand basically nothing about this game. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was struck by something here is that they all, you know, they go into a, a portal or, you know, the darkness to go someplace, and mm-hmm. Nominee doesn't need a coat, apparently. Yeah, I, I'm i trying to remember. I think that might be a nobody thing, that they they don't need a coat to be defended against the darkness because they don't have hearts to be attacked by the darkness, I think. Hmm. Although the organization all wear the coats, but I guess for them it's just a uniform. Yeah. That's a good question. I actually don't know if they need the coats to protect against darkness. I don't remember when we learned that. I think it was in in uh, Chain of Memories, right? Didn't Diz say, like, you need this coat to... Or did Diz, when, when he gave it to Riku and Mickey, I think Diz might have said, like, this will protect you from the organization. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, in that case, it's probably just a retcon. He probably just came up with that coat because it was a cool, scary uniform for the organization. And only later did he decide that it was like an anti-darkness thing. Yeah, or a nominee's weird. She is weird. Yeah. Yeah, mystery solved. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they arrive at the mysterious tower, and Pete is just standing in the background, like, peeking through the front door. And they're like, huh, who's that? Uh... And Donald and Goofy wonder what this tower is and who lives here. And somehow, against all odds, this is the most glaring continuity error in the entire franchise. Is it? Because in in Birth by Sleep, this is where Donald and Goofy are. Oh. They only appear at this tower in Birth by Sleep. So. They forgot. A lot of people have tried to explain why they forgot. Like, oh, you know, they were just here once, like, ten years ago or whatever. But... Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. I just think it's funny that for all the talk about how convoluted and messy this series is, this is the one thing that I'm like, there is no explanation for why they wouldn't know this tower. Well, you think that, but that's actually be one of the most important plot details in Kingdom Hearts. Um, oh my god. In the interstitial game between uh, 4 and 5, we'll, we'll learn about how they got their minds wiped by Naminé. <laughs> when Yen Sid lobotomized Donald and Goofy to <laughs> make them forget his tower. Well, it wasn't actually Yen Sid, it was his six assistants, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I don't think Disney would allow that. Yeah, probably not. Uh, they they walk up to the tower, and Pete is not looking back at them. He's he's focused, so he does not realize, you know, he hears, whoa, what the hell? And he hears, <laughs> And he's like, ah, those are just any generic voices that anyone could have. Definitely not my mortal enemies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he he tells them sort of absentmindedly, like, oh, I, I heard that there's a powerful sorcerer who lives in this tower, and that would make him the perfect bodyguard for me, Pete. <laughs> so he explains he is a lackey of Maleficence, because she 
uh, he owes her a debt for reasons we'll get to in a moment. Uh, so he is helping her out by going around to different worlds and building an army of Heartless. And he thinks that the master of this tower would be a great candidate for that. Yeah. And then he turns around and he goes, whoa, what the, it's you guys. And yeah, I, this whole part really made me lose my mind. This is, a lot of things are said here that are completely nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh Mickey said they're like telling Sora who Pete is, and Goofy is like, His Majesty banished him to another dimension. Yeah. And that's just like, I'm like, okay. And I just, that makes me lose my mind for a lot of reasons. Like, one, Mickey banishing someone to another dimension on its face, pretty crazy. But two, are we, so, we now have. I really hope this dimension just ends up being like the world of darkness or something. Cause if we're bringing up just like other dimensions on top of the dimensions we're already aware of, then I just don't know if I can handle it anymore. Well, worry not. We will see it happen in birth by sleep. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, what else happens here? Oh, uh, sort of, oh, that, that's why he, uh, owes Maleficent a debt, by the way, is that she, she rescued him from right. that. Uh, Sordon and Goofy, like, fully laugh at him, and they're like, oh my god, he has no idea, and he's like, what do you mean? And they're like, we killed her. <laughs> we murdered her. She's very dead. Which is not entirely true. Ansem did that. He, well, Sora beat her up pretty bad once, and then she blew up, right? Yeah, I mean, they beat her in dragon form, but, like, it was it was Ansem possessing Riku who, like, destroyed her physical form and turned her into a darkness dragon. I suppose so. So, you know, it was a, it was a team effort. Yeah, it's stolen, but stolen, this is stolen a, Valor. I think yeah, so. and yeah, Sora's, like, doing his, like, cocky pose where he, like, puts his hands behind his head and he's like, huh, yeah, we might have had something to do with it. Yeah. It's really, really funny. Um, <laughs> Pete, Pete, interestingly enough, though, considering that he is talking about how he's actively helping Maleficent, when they mention that she's dead, he goes, so you're the ones that did it. So he knew. Yeah, he, which is so, but he's still working for her, I guess. Yeah, which I guess just goes to show how much faith he has in his boss that he's like, being dead isn't going to stop her. Apparently his faith was, you know, he he's rewarded for that faith pretty soon here. Yeah, which I think just goes to show that Maleficent is certified better boss than Xemnas. Probably, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she's she rewards loyalty. He's helping her because she helped him out. She's a good boss. Good manager, good delegator. Well, as far as I know, she may actually have feelings, unlike Xemnas. <laughs> That's true. They're evil, but she does have yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. And then Pete summons his Heartless Squad, which is like six shadows. <laughs> I mean, you should think that that could beat a child and, I don't know, a duck and a, and a dog man. Yeah, he's like, what the hell? I sh- last time I saw Donald, he was not a powerful wizard. <laughs> he was just a little sailor last time I saw him. Did, did he learn to be a wizard from Yen Sid? Is that never mind? I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I actually don't know. We I don't think we do know when Donald became a wizard, the most powerful hmm. mage in Final Fantasy. We, we do le- we do learn here that uh, Yen Sid is the one who trained Mickey. We do learn that. Yeah, 
Uh, and if you were wondering, that does mean as a Keyblade wielder. Yes, I, I thought so, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, <laughs> they don't say it. But uh, this is Keyblade Master Yen Sid. Does he ever wield a Keyblade? No. And, well, I mean, I can do, I can do a, a, a Crackpot Corner on that. Sure. Because we don't know, and we haven't met Yen Sid just yet. We'll meet him uh, shortly. We don't know why Yen Sid doesn't use a Keyblade. He says at some point, I can't remember when it is, but he says at some point that something happened that made him, like, relinquish his Keyblade or, like, swear off using it. We don't really know the details. Mm. The The answer probably is that Disney didn't sign off on it. But <laughs> canonically, there was something that happened in his past that made him stop using his Keyblade. Mm. And I personally believe that when he was younger, he sank Atlantis into the ocean. Oh, and that's why Atlantis hates Keyblade wielders? That is, that is what I believe, is that that is why King Triton hates Keyblade wielders, and that he sees them as bringing ruin. I think that Yen Sid, on one of his Keyblade-wielding adventures, went to Atlantica, which was a cool city floating on the water, and I think he accidentally did something terrible, sank it into the ocean, and vowed never to use his Keyblade again. That is my crackpot corner for today. That's pretty solid. Thank you. I, I, like, I'm not even joking. I think that that could be true. I will not be surprised if someday we get uh, a prequel with Yen Sid sinking Atlantica. <laughs> Atlantica? Atlantis? I don't know what it's called. Yeah. Triton Town. <laughs> Triton City. Yeah. Uh, Triton City Ocean. Uh, so yeah, Pete, Pete tells them that Yen Sid lives here, and Donald's like, oh, am I gonna do it? Well, uh, <laughs> Almost. I lost it. It, like, fell out of my mouth. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Master Yen Sid lives here, and he runs into the tower. Goofy's like, that's the king's teacher. And Sora and Goofy run in after him, and Pete is just standing in the background, like, stomping his feet in a tantrum, like, stop ignoring me! <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. Uh... They fight their way up some silly stairs uh, that you probably won't have seen. I think that they're gameplay only. But there's, like, silly stairs going into portals and stuff. It's weird. Uh, and eventually they reach the top floor. And Donald is very... He's very angry that there are still Heartless around. And he goes... Heartless! 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 Well, good news, Donald. You're going to fight a bunch of nobodies now that are entirely different from Heartless. Yay! They're gray. Yeah. They're gray and uh, they meet Yen Sid. Donald and Goofy do like a very, very formal bow. And Sora is just like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> and like, I love the detail that like to emphasize how much this matters to them. Even Goofy is like Sora. Yeah. <laughs> I think Sora's right, though. You shouldn't. You know what? No masters, no kings. Oh, yeah, I mean, Yen Sid doesn't even care. He's like, it's fine. <laughs> like, he actually, when when Donald and Goofy, like, chastise Sora, Yen Sid has, like, a concerned face. Like, he's like, whoa, 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 it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's like, whatever, I'm just a dude. Uh, and, yeah, Yen Sid says that he will be instructing them in the king's absence. Uh, Sora's very sad. He thought that he was just gonna find Riku and go home. 
Uh, but Yen Sid is like, nah, you got shit to do. You're the key to the door to light. It's very important. And he gives them a book that he says contains valuable knowledge for their journey. <sighs> I don't want to get into the book. Really? Because in my opinion, because you, you can read it. I don't think they show it in the cutscenes, but you can read the book. It's just like very vague. I think it's just sort of like poetically recapping the series up to this point. There's a lot of people who have theories about this book and how important it will turn out to be later. If it ever turns out to mean something, we'll come back to it. But I don't want to talk about this fucking book. Hmm. So let's just move on. Okay. Hey, how many human beings do you think knew that the Sorcerer and the Sorcerer's Apprentice was named Yen Sid before Kingdom Hearts? I did know that, actually. I don't remember when I learned it. I just did because it obviously doesn't come up in the Sorcerer's Apprentice because it's there's no language. There's just yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I knew that from. Maybe maybe like Disneyland. There's a thing somewhere that's like this is where Yen Sid lives, the Sorcerer. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I know it because of Kingdom Hearts. I did not know that because of <laughs> of watching that movie over and over again as a child. Maybe I was watching. Maybe like Mike's Super Short Show did a segment on Fantasia once. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I definitely remember that from before I played Kingdom Hearts, but I, I couldn't tell you how I knew it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, th this is Yen Sid. He is the the sorcerer from Fantasia. Mickey is his apprentice, which I I love that they they bring that back in Kingdom Hearts. I think that's. I fun. thought that was really good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so Sora is like, "Why are the Heartless still here? I thought the whole thing was that they would be gone." And Yen Sid's like, "No, no, 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 no." Like, if you hadn't done what you did, everything would have been totally fucked up. But there's still some Heartless. And Sora's like, well, alright, I guess that worked. that's satisfying enough, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you didn't get all of them. <laughs> this is so funny, though, because Yen Sid is like, The Heartless cannot truly be destroyed as long as darkness exists in a single heart. And Goofy is like, so if everyone's hearts were pure light... The Heartless would go away, and Yen Sid nods, and Goofy's like, well, let's just do that then. <laughs> yeah, it's... It, Good luck? It is interesting, because... Is that where the series is going to go eventually? Because it kind of... It feels like the series often questions if it's good to have a heart that's purely light. Yeah, and, you know, I've, I've said this before. I think that... Uh, actually, I don't know if I have said it before on the podcast, but I believe that when all is said and done, and we wrap the whole series up with Kingdom Hearts 15, and that is... Not the 15th game, that is the 15th numbered title. Right. Um, I think that the final resolution will be a world where light and dark live in balance. Yeah. Um, but Yen Sid, that's not what he believes as a, as a master. He, at this point, believes that darkness should be eradicated. Although, he doesn't... I don't think he really says that it should be. He just says, like, as long as it isn't, there will still be Heartless. Yeah, I guess you're just saying it's a, this is just a fact of how the universe works. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing we kind of come across all the time is a lot of people are just really wrong about the nature of the universe in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Which, also, I I think it's worth noting, uh, it's said at some point, I, I think it's said in Kingdom Hearts 1, like, the Heartless being in the Realm of Light is a recent development. Like, it didn't used to be that way. Uh Normally, they just exist in the realm of darkness, which is, as far as we know, fine. That's a perfectly fine place for them to exist, as long as they're not trying to eat worlds. Yeah, they're they're just, I guess, having a party over there. 
all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so this is one of my favorite parts of this particular viewing of Kingdom Hearts 2 is when Yen Sid is explaining their adversaries in this quest. And he starts by projecting an image of Donald. Yeah. And, it- and he says, when one gives into their inner darkness, they become a heartless. And the, the Donald turns into a shadow and Donald goes, oh, I also like the fake Donald doing a whack. I thought that was real Donald. I thought the fake Donald does a whack and then Donald gets sad. <laughs> Donald's like, oh, man, <laughs> I'd become a heartless. Oh, geez. <laughs> Which is just really funny. Yeah. It's it's really good. Uh, then he explains nobodies, which we already know the gist of that, so we don't need to get into it. Uh, but then he, he shows the organization and explains that they command the lesser nobodies, like the Dusks. Um, we knew that, right? We did. They bring up the idea that nobodies don't exist again, which is dumb. Yeah, there is something interesting here that uh, I think is kind of unclear and confusing sometimes, which is... He describes that if someone with a strong... Oh, now I'm getting into it. If someone with a strong heart and soul becomes a heartless, when they lose the heart, it's not that the body just keeps moving around, but now it has no heart. It's that a new being forms. The body and the soul are, like, reconstituted into a new being rather than just... Oops, my heart popped out. Anyway, now I'm a nobody. So, like, Lee, for example, and Axel, they are the same being, or they're the same person, same soul, same body. But if you, like, watched Lee get his heart popped out, he does, like, vanish and reappear as Axel. Right. Which I think, I think that is just something to keep in mind. Because it's something that I was really unclear on for a long time. I don't remember why I was so convinced that the opposite was true. But, yeah. I I kind of assumed it had to be like that because, you know, Sora disappeared when he became a Heartless, which I think is when Roxas starts to exist. And yeah. so, like, you know, it had to be that he reconstituted somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So he he also adds that while the Heartless act on pure instinct, trying to eat the hearts, uh, the organization, they have a goal, and they are working towards it. And we don't know what it is yet, and that's what Mickey is up to. Mickey is investigating the organization, and that's why he's going all over the place right now. Uh, So Sora says, well, I'm going to find them. I'm going to find Riku. I'm going to find Mickey. I'm going to go home, hang out with Kairi. And most importantly, I'm going to get a cool new outfit. Hell yeah. I'm excited for this outfit. And Yen Sid explains that his new clothes will be created by three good fairies. <laughs> and we go and we meet Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether from Sleeping Beauty, I think. Yeah, Sleeping Beauty. Oh, this is the part where Sora says, with the five of us, uh, I mean the six of us, there's nothing we can't mm-hmm. handle. <laughs> Jiminy's like, gee, thanks, Sora. Yeah. I'll write that in the, I'll write that down in the journal for sure. <laughs> yeah. We get a little comedy scene of the of the fairies like arguing over what color his clothes should be. I think that's from Snow uh, from Sleeping Yeah, Beauty. that's just a scene I think where they're giving her a dress or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh but meanwhile Maleficent's raven is watching from overhead and that's no good probably. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I do like that they're the ones that are here because then it makes more sense when more Maleficent stuff keeps happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and they they give Sora also the reason they're here. We I think we know this from Kingdom Hearts One is that the Sleeping Beauty world is it oh, got it's eight. gone. Yeah. Wait, should Stomped. should it be back now though? We'll get into that. Okay. In Dream Drop Distance, the seventh game in the series. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> hey. Or, ooh, wait. Will we? When does that come up? I don't remember. No, it's not Dream Drop Distance. We'll get into that later. Okay. Um, I actually don't remember when, but we will get into that eventually. Um, so, yeah, they make Sora a cool black outfit to reflect how mean he was to them when he told them to stop fighting and just pick something. <laughs> what do you think of Sora's new look? Uh, I wrote down that he's got some juggle-ass pants on. He's got really goofy pants. They look like kind of a compromise between his pants and Riku's pants in the first game. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, I wrote down "whoop whoop, dearie" because I think the fairies are part of the <laughs> are part of the gathering. Grab this mystical axe, dearie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought this was the coolest looking thing I'd ever seen at the time. It looks pretty silly. <laughs> Well, I, I thought. I mean, I'm a sucker for Nomura designs, but yeah, this one's the the pants are too too. Uh, they're too big. They're too big. I like the the color scheme, the black with yellow and red. Really, really cool because uh, it does evoke Mickey Mouse. Oh, it does. <laughs> All it's missing is some big gloves. Mm-hmm. Oh, does he might have he he's got to have fingerless gloves. What am I saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no way he doesn't. As we mentioned, uh, so you know, because it's the inverse of Riku. <laughs> that's right. They give him a little, uh, a little uh, tutorial on drive orbs, which allows him to change forms. I don't remember if I mentioned this before. I had heard before this game came out that there were character fusions, and boy, did they get my hopes up about that. In terms of like, I thought it was going to be Dragon Ball Z style, like Sufi. Oh man, and. Donald Goof. Sufi and Dora or whatever. That would have been that would have been special. But yeah, what what this is uh is that Sora can sort of absorb one or two of his party members into his clothes, which makes them change color. Uh we see him activate Valor form here, which is where his clothes become red and it's his like cool melee form, and he gets a second keyblade. And uh interesting fact about this keyblade Two? This is two, first of all. Yeah. This is actually Mickey's old Keyblade. Oh. Yeah, because the Keyblade that he has now is like the the Kingdom Key, but with the colors flip-flopped. But this is actually Mickey's old Keyblade that uh, presumably Yen Sid gave him when he was training here. Fun fact. That is a fun fact. Yeah, it's called the Star Seeker. It's it's like a, a wizardy star covered keyblade. I like it. And I love the implication here where where they go, "Wow, two keyblades." And the fairies say, "This journey will be twice as difficult as your last," implying that he needs twice as many keyblades. Right. And so then in 3, he has the third one between the butt cheeks cuz it's three times as hard. Yeah. Uh Man, One Piece could have been so much better if Zoro held his third sword between his butt cheeks. I mean, maybe by, like, you know, issue 5000, that'll happen. <laughs> he might already, for all I yeah, know. Yeah, that's true. I don't know really anything about that series. Uh, Yen Sid calls them over, and he's like, I have a surprise for you. And they look out the window and see the gummy ship floating outside. <laughs> 
Uh, this is a very mechanical thing that I don't really know how much it means in the lore, but why can't they just go to all the worlds that they could before? Well, the gateways. All the, all the worlds are barriered up again, which does make sense. We were yeah. told that that was what would happen. Uh, but yeah, now th- instead of locking the world's keyholes, now what Sora has to do is go to each world in turn, do some stuff, and then unlock a gate, which allows them to go to more worlds. I'll be honest, I think that the the general plot trajectory that that gives this game is a little nothing. <laughs> yeah, because it, it feels like it should the focus should maybe be like, oh, you're beating the organization. Yeah, and it, it is. It's like you're investigating the organization. You're going to try to stop them from doing whatever they're doing and also find Riku and go home. But you can't do that unless you go to the worlds that they're in. And the only way to do that is by going through the busy work rigmarole that will ultimately lead you to the keyholes. Like, the first world they go to is Hollow Bastion, and it's kind of just like, well, we'll just hang out here until something happens that unlocks the next world. <laughs> It's a little meandering, but it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Donald has a really funny response to this, by the way, which is that uh, Yen Sid explains that while they need to unlock these gates so that the gummy ship can fly around to the different worlds, the Heartless and the Nobodies can use Corridors of Darkness. And Donald goes, hey, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and you're right, Don- Donald. It isn't fair. It's not. It's fucked up. Yeah. It does seem like just better to use the tunnels of darkness than what they got to do. Yes, but you got to wear the coat or you'll get really sick from darkness and turn evil. Oh no, I got to wear a cool coat. <laughs> oh no, whatever will I do? It's got two <laughs> zippers on it. <laughs> Only two? That sucks. Yeah. What did you think of the end of this scene where Yen Sid smiles and disappears? <laughs> uh, really good stuff. Uh, it looked like it was supposed to be ominous, but I I don't think there was literally any meaning to it at all. Yeah, it, it did seem... I was like, what, is he evil? Like, what is this? But, yeah. It's weirdly menacing. As they leave, he just smiles and just poof. Yeah, that was a bizarre choice. Very weird. Uh, maybe it's a sort of callback. It's a transitional callback to when Maleficent smiled and disappeared in Agrabah in the first game. And now, because Yen Sid did it, it's making us think about that as we then go to the Maleficent scene that happens next. Mm. There we go. Hmm. <laughs> it's filmmaking. Okay. In a game. No, you're right. Yep. That must be it. This is a movie now. Yep. Which means that it's more art than a game is. True. Uh, Maleficent's raven flies into the room with the fairies and brings her cloak. And they go, oh, I feel like I've seen that before. What? Where have I seen that before? And then uh, Flora or Fauna or Weather, whichever one of them it is, who cares, is like, no, 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 we can't remember her. Oh, no, the memories, they're coming back. And as they remember Maleficent, she starts to reform out of her cloak. Yeah, this is weird. It is weird. I was like, did them remembering her bring her back? And did they, well, did they forget her because she died? Or, uh, yeah, I no, This is one of those classic sounds about light wells mm. 
because, well, this will be explained in the mobile game. No, it it won't. (laughs) Yes, it will. No, because that's not explaining it, because, like, how many people are going to play that game? None! (laughs) Is that, like, the... I haven't even played it. Is it the recent one that's kind of better, or, like, one of the ones that was for, like, a Verizon, like, flip phone? (laughs) <laughs> uh, that is uh, coded that you're referring to. No, this is from Kingdom Hearts Key, or possibly Union Cross. Okay. They changed the name halfway through for a reason that has meaning, but that's not worth explaining right now. Got it. Anyway, there is a very specific reason that this happened, and personally, I love it, and I can't wait to talk about it, but we're not going to talk about it for a very, very long time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, but Maleficent, uh, they, they run away to tell Yen Sid. She does a smile and an evil laugh. Welcome back, Maleficent, you old hag. Great to have Good you to back. See her. Yeah. I love her. I, I know that a lot of people, whenever Maleficent shows up, they're kind of like, oh, fuck, this lady again. I love Maleficent in these games. I think she's such a fun presence. I think she's a better villain than most of the other villains because she has, like, a lot of personality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every time we were dealing like, with, like, the villain club in Kingdom Hearts 1... It was always when Maleficent showed up that it was like, yes! Well, and Hook. And Hook. God. (laughs) This is no pleasure cruise! (laughs) Uh, They head to Hollow Bastion since it's the only pathway open for their gummy shit. Mm -hmm. And we get a little transition scene here. And this is one of those things that I just added it to my list of Kingdom Hearts unanswered questions. Because we go to this, like, ruined castle that is not Hollow Bastion. It's near Hollow Bastion, but it's not Hollow Bastion. And I have no idea what this place is. It's not just part of Hollow Bastion? No. We'll we'll see a little bit more of it later. But yeah, Hollow Bastion, the castle that we were at in the first game, has like a town around it that we'll be spending some time in. And then like a ways away across some like canyon that you have to walk through, there is another castle which the wiki says is called Villain's Vale, uh, and that is what Maleficent's sort of base of operations is. And yeah, we we have never gotten any explanation for what this place is, but I think we will. Hmm. I think it's I think it's on Nomura's to do list. Um, and yeah, Pete Pete walks into this little chamber. It's like a circular chamber with some kind of laser device built into the ceiling. No clue. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure we'll get some fucking flashback where that laser, like, <laughs> turns someone into the first Heartless or something. <laughs> right. Probably. But, so yeah, that's that's on my on my notes of Nomura Explain Yourself. Uh, so Pete's looking for Maleficent, and he's like, oh god, she's not here. Is she actually dead? Uh, but then her raven flies down, and he's like, oh god. And I think that's all we get of that. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, meanwhile, Sora and friends, they arrive in the town outside Hollow Bastion. Uh, we didn't see this at all in Kingdom Hearts 1, but yes, there is a a sort of castle town. And it's all fucked up, but they're rebuilding it, and they're rebuilding the castle. Uh, Can't wait for them to actually fix the Blitzball Stadium. <laughs> it's, it's the only form of entertainment they have against Sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Ooh, this might not have been in your cutscenes. Did you see Scrooge? No, I didn't see Scrooge. Yeah, this is uh they're they're walking through the town 
and they see Scrooge, old Uncle Scrooge McDuck, standing outside of an ice cream shop. And Donald's like, oh, hey, Uncle Scrooge. And Goofy, uh, as an aside, explains to Sora that Scrooge is a business typhoon, silly, (laughs) uh, who once traveled the world with Mickey, intending to set up a transit system between worlds. Hmm. Hmm. I don't think that that's ever come up again, and we never find out what happened to that, so... Stay tuned. Did he make the? He made the first gummy ship. I think he did. I think that is said at some point that he actually was the one who invented the gummy ship. Interesting. Scrooge doesn't really invent things, though. Well, well, he invested. He's, yeah, he's a billionaire. Gyroduck Gyro actually did it, or whatever. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he he says hello, and he explains to them what he's doing here, which is. He is trying his hardest to recreate his favorite ice cream flavor. Any guesses? Sea salt ice cream. Sea salt ice cream. (laughs) Uh, He didn't do a good job, though, because the ice cream that he's eating is like a gradient of purple to yellow. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know how he fucked it up that bad. And he takes a bite and he's like, bleh. I do also want to give a little shout out to... uh, I, I don't talk too often about things that Sora can, like, examine in the world, but there's one that is so fucking funny here, which is that next to the ice cream shop, there's just, like, a stack of huge, like, cubic foot blocks of ice. And if you examine them, Sora thinks to himself, and I quote, This ice looks like it could make good ice cream. That's not how ice cream works, bud. That's not how ice cream works. We harvest only the finest ice from the Himalayas. What if Nomura doesn't know what ice cream is? <laughs> you can just freeze some water. Somebody just gave him ice cubes with salt on top, and he loved it. <laughs> he dipped ice into milk, and he's like, Mmm, mm, this is good. What do you call this? Uh, <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nobody has ever called that anything uh sora don and the goofy continue on through the town and they i don't even really know how to describe this there's like weird beams of light that pop up out of the ground uh yeah yeah it's their defense system clearly yeah we will find out shortly from sid that these are claymores and yuffie who pops up here uh, explains that these are the town's defense system. Oh, so they're explosive mines? <laughs> no, it's just whenever you're fighting in Hollow Bastion in Kingdom Hearts 2, these little beams of light will just pop up, and if they hit an enemy, they'll just do a little bit of damage. They're pretty useless, to be honest. I think when you meet Sid in a bit, he says something like, or ma- maybe it's Yuffie here, it's like, they they can be really powerful if you use them right. No. Uh so I there's a part here that I really like where Sora does a little Leon impression. Yeah, I loved yes, very good. Um We may never meet again, but we'll never forget each other. Although problem, Sora, you actually had too much emotion when you did that and you sounded like you maybe actually cared about something, and Leon's voice actor would never do that. Well, this is a retcon. Sora is impersonating Leon's new voice actor. Who's also bad. Yeah, I I I think he's okay. I think he gets better. Yeah, not as bad as uh Aerith, who is horrible in this in this yes, part. Yes, and but, yeah. 
I, I want to talk about this new voice cast because we meet them right here uh, at Merlin's house where Sid has set up a giant computer. Uh, and we got Aerith, Leon, Yuffie, and Sid. Um, Yuffie, I, I said in the first game that she was voiced by um, uh, Mae Whitman. That was not true at the time, but it is true now. Oh. I think Mae Whitman is good as Yuffie. Yep, she's, she's totally good. solid. Yep. Um, uh, I... I didn't write down Sid's voice actor's name. He just didn't have any voice acting in the first game. Sid's and now fine. he's a cowboy. He's a cowboy, which is totally good, and I love yeah. it. Uh, uh, Leon is fine. He's not great, but he's he's a lot better for sure. Aerith, meanwhile, she is voiced by Mina Suvari, who voices her in Advent Children, I believe. Mm. And I haven't seen Advent Children. I don't know how she is in that. She's pretty terrible in this. Yeah, she just kind of talks like this. Like, oh boy. It's so nice to see you again. Yeah. This is great. Everyone's together again. We're busy hacking over here. I'm hacking the mainframe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I looked up a little clip of, of her in Advent Children, and I thought she sounded better. So it's probably just bad direction yeah. that she was given. Um, Yeah. It's a real step down from Mandy Moore. Oh. Yeah, in a lot of ways. <laughs> she gets a different voice actor in three, I think. Hmm. Or the DLC of three, I should say, because none of these characters are in the actual game of Kingdom Hearts 3. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's a shame. But it, they're in the DLC because everyone was mad that they weren't in the game. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's weird. I It's weird because... Final Fantasy VII is Nomura's thing, but it feels like Aerith is just a totally different character in this. Right, yeah. I don't... It, it's it's just the shell of Aerith, really. Yeah, she has no no charm. She's she's not spunky and funny like she is in, in the actual game. She's just very, like, mildly nice. Ugh. I, I do not like this, this Aerith. No. It's not good. No, it's not good. Uh... But what can you do? Uh, Yuffie explains that they are the Hollow Bastion Restoration Committee. Because lest we forget, this is where they all grew up. And then it got fucked up by Maleficent. And Ansem. <laughs> and Ansem. He didn't help. Um, well, quote unquote Ansem. Right, his assistants, actually. He was totally a good guy. As it turns out. I mean, you know, he was the one who started doing the darkness experiments. He just immediately decided it was evil and stopped. Good. Better than not stopping. Yes, much. But not as good as not starting. True. Uh, Leon, by the way, is like, oh, we figured something was going on with you three because not long ago we all remembered you out of nowhere. And Sora's like, what do you mean remembered us? <laughs> yeah, it's, again, the this the good old Sora not really asking questions uh, deal. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they really do just kind of accept, like, oh, I don't know, some some shit must have happened while we were asleep. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Merlin pops up uh, after Leon leaves, and Leon Leon's like, oh, meet me at the Bailey. We've got work to do. And uh, Merlin pops up and says, have, have you given them the cards? And Aerith gives them each a card, marking them as honorary members of the Hollow Bastion Restoration Committee, which I would say is the least... <laughs> interesting or valuable title one could possibly have no these are so cool every kid wants one wow, wow. an honorary member a membership of the card HBRC. no way 
I feel like the reason that this is the item that they went with, because in a, in a bit we'll see that this item, like, lights up and unlocks the gate to the next world. Yeah. I feel like the reason that they did this is because there's been a lot of stuff revolving around, like, Sora's identity and, like, other people being facets of him. So he's like, I'm Sora, only Sora. And then he's he's like, look, I've got proof. I don't have a personal ID, but I do have a Hollow Bastion Restoration Committee honorary membership card. Yeah, but what about, like, a badge or something cool? <laughs> do you think he's, like, whipping this out at the movie theater? He's like, does this get me a discount? Does this do anything? <laughs> is, this, it's got, is this worth anything to it anyone? Hasn't made an ex- it hasn't made an strip on it, I think, so it must... <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I think it does. So it must do something. Maybe it opens doors, I don't know. Uh, yeah. That that's how he's going to open the door to light, as we were told at the beginning. <laughs> oh, that'd be very good. Yeah, <laughs> the keyblade. No, it's your membership badge. Come on, this is my keyblade, and this is my key card. Uh, Sora hurries off to meet Leon at the Bailey. Also, Merlin teaches him some magic in a little gameplay tutorial moment. I, I say teaches him some magic. He just like unlocks magic for for you at this point in the game. It's not important. They get to Leon. Uh, I keep saying the Bailey. I'll be honest. I don't know what a Bailey is, but they get to the Bailey. Yeah, I don't... I guess I don't know either. Cool. Then we won't address it at all. They get to the Bailey, whatever it is, and Leon gestures across the way to this ruined castle, the one that we saw before, uh, which I don't know if you could tell, it is surrounded by, like, a sea of Heartless. Oh, is that what that was? Yes. It, it looks just like black goop with little yellow speckles. That is heartless. Oh, that's bad. That is no good. Well, that's what Leon says. He's like, we're trying to fix this place up, but look at that shit. <laughs> yeah, shit. The cut here is very funny because he's, he's like, we've got two problems. That gestures to Ocean of Heartless and that gestures to two dusks strutting across the canyon they were doing ministry of silly walks across the canyon (laughs) it's all they know those are actually the if only those are the nobodies of john cleese and um (laughs) i don't know michael palin or whatever oh no if only we could say the same for the organization i wish that they would silly walk yeah but most of them are dead so uh speaking of them uh who should show up but the organization. Uh, we we don't see them yet. Uh, we just hear Zemnis and Syx, uh, their disembodied voices, who uh, they send some dusks their way to quote unquote celebrate Sora's recovery. Uh, I think there's probably a fight here. Oh god, yeah, actually, this fight it was a huge pain in the ass when I was playing last. You have to like defend the gate to the Bailey or whatever the hell, and ugh, awful fight. Mm. That's just me complaining though. Uh, <laughs> doesn't matter at all. Uh, Zemnis says something about how marvelous the Keyblade is, if only it were in more capable hands. They all laugh, which we, we know is because they're thinking of Roxas and Shion. Well, Roxas. Yeah. They're not thinking of Shion. Not anymore. Nope. Can't. Can Zemnis, like, does it, I don't know. Is he special enough to be able to remember her? No, nobody remembers Shion, wow, period. Great. All right. Yeah. So they all pop up on top of this wall nearby. Uh, they've all got their hoods on because we, at this point in the game, aren't supposed to know who they are yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got Zemnis, Zigbar, Zaldin, Syax, Demix, and Luke Sword. No Axel. Makes sense. Yep. He's not going back there. Nope. Uh, so yeah, this is this is the organization now. It's just the six of them. 
And Sora, he's ready. He's like, oh, great. Let's settle this. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's go, all of you. <laughs> I am now going to fight all six of the organization. He hasn't really lost yet, so yeah, sure. That is true. Uh, and they all leave laughing, but Zigbar teleports down and gets in Sora's way. Of question mark? Going down some stairs, I guess. I get. I I was kind of unclear why they're like, "Hey, move it, asshole! Where where are you going?" <laughs> uh, but yeah, Zigbar is blocking him. Donald is like, "I'll get. I'll make you move." And Zigbar goes, "As if." Yeah, he continues to be like other organization members and be really bad at like turns of phrase because he says something about like how there's <laughs> nothing any old about me. Well, yeah. What was the? Oh yeah, he says like I'm not he, any he, old nobody. He, say? he says I, something like I'm not any old. I'm not just any old dude. In fact, there's nothing any old about me. Yeah, very strange. Like, that doesn't mean anything, Zigbar. <laughs> uh, and he says that it sounds like he's gonna have to remind Sora how tough the organization are. And Sora's like, "What the heck do you mean, remind me?" And he like glares at Zigbar, who says, "Ah, yeah, he used to give me that same exact look." Mm-hmm. Classic, classic line. Uh, and then he, he just kind of, like, poses menacingly at them and then just, like, relaxes and is like, be a good boy now, and just teleports away. <laughs> Sigbar's a scamp. I like Sigbar. I like Sigbar. Uh, and Goofy Goofy says something like, he's probably just trying to say a bunch of random stuff to confuse you. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean... Nomura. Yeah. Um... This is the part where the membership card starts, like, glowing, and Sora's... Oh, yeah, because Sora takes it out, he's like, I'm Sora, honorary member of the Holofestin <laughs> Restoration Jesus. Committee. And the card, like, lights up, and a keyhole gets projected up into the air, and Sora unlocks it with the keyblade. And then he's like, oh, sorry, gotta go, Leon. Uh, I Oh, I didn't mention it, but Yen Sid specifically told them, like, when that happens, go straight to the gummy ship, because it means you've got a new world to go to. So they do. I, I assumed you were going to tell me that a bunch more stuff happened with this card. Um, nope. Nope, it just does this? Okay. That's it. I can't believe that. That's basically going to be the recurring thing of this game, whereas in the first one... They would, like, go to meaningful places right. in the worlds, and that would be where the keyhole of the world is, because it leads to the heart of the world. The equivalent in this game is they get sort of meaningful objects, and those form these connections, these gateways to other worlds. Huh. Okay. It's it's not great. Like I said before, it's kind of contrived. It doesn't really have much thematic significance, it's whatever. Nah. It's it's very mechanical, and that's fine, I guess. Yeah, it's fine. I think, yeah, it, yeah, finding the heart of the world was better, I think, for sure. Yeah. But they had to do something to make it so you can't just go wherever you want. Secret answer report seven. <laughs> While beings born of darkness and those lacking hearts may find them convenient, it is dangerous for others to make much use of the corridors of darkness. Darkness erodes the heart. In search of a place to proceed with my research and planning from away from prying eyes, I found myself in Twilight Town. It is a quiet village forgotten in the chasm between light and darkness. I situated myself in the basement of, a, of an abandoned mansion standing beyond the woods. My underground research resulted in one new discovery after another. 
When a heartless is born, the body and soul left behind are reborn into this world as a different being. They possess different intentions than their heartless brethren, and while it is unclear what these sentient things are after, it would appear they are responsible for much bedlam in the world. My erstwhile friend the king and his subjects, along with a hero wielding the keyblade, are battling the heartless, even as a new threat approaches. This new threat, they have given themselves a fitting name, I suppose. These non-beings, nobodies. A great number of nobodies have lost human form, as have the heartless. Yet the nobody born of someone with a strong heart retains its shape, but with, with but the faintest visible changes. It appears my betrayers have retained their human forms as nobodies, and are gathering more followers in the hopes of furthering a new scheme. Organization 13, formed of 13 nobodies, with my betrayers at its core, has divided into two. They are said to be carrying out some sort of research. Seeking to uncover the plans of this organization, I have decided to head for where six of its members have gathered, towering over the outer limits of the realm between darkness and light, Castle Oblivion. Hmm. A lot going on here. Yeah. Uh, again, this is... So, so actually, I was, I was wrong earlier. They have already established that, yes, the corridors of darkness, you do need darkness protection or they will fuck up your heart. That does also seem to imply that, yeah, Naminé is fine if she doesn't have a heart to be eroded by darkness. Right, and all nobodies should be, although, as we've seen, it seems like some nobodies do eventually have hearts. Mm-hmm. We learned that Ansem set up a, a lab in Twilight Town. Is that probably the mansion? We learned that he, he was he was writing this during Kingdom Hearts 1, uh, and yeah, that his his six apprentices formed the organization and then gathered up new members, and then Ansem headed to Castle Oblivion. I got something interesting. They said that they split in two, though. Yes, I think... Where was that? Uh, they've divided in two. Yes, I think that was just saying that half of them went to Castle Oblivion. Oh, I see. Yeah, because they weren't all there. Got it. Okay, got it. All right. Yes. Uh, any any other thoughts on this? I don't think so. But, yeah, interesting. All right. So, we have one last scene here, which is the organization. They all regroup in the chair room. Once again, because, because this is chronologically the first time meeting all of these members uh we just get a little like round table of them all having a little <laughs> a little opinion mm -hmm. uh i don't know how much there is worth talking about here i like that luke sword is like playing with his cards and saying card puns so we know he's the cards guy i love that he's doing sleight of hand yeah yeah look look sword's fun it's a it's a very fun, stupid little detail for him. Uh, Demix has a little moment here. I think this is possibly the most we've seen of Demix so far, where he's like, I say we don't do anything with Sora. Just let him do whatever he wants. And if we have to, then we can jump in and t uh, take care of stuff. And Zigbar is like, oh, so you're volunteering to take responsibility if that awful strategy doesn't work out? And Demix is like, oh shit, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, that rules. <laughs> oh my god, Zaldin here is... Uh, Zaldin has some line where he's like, You sound awfully concerned there, Demix, but when was the last time any of us felt anything? Yeah. Hey, guess what? You don't. They don't have feelings. So unnecessary, but yeah. you know. This is, again, this is an establishing scene for players who don't have context for these characters. Right. Uh... And Zemnis says, and I, I love this in the context of Days and Roxas and all that, is, let's make this new adventure one the Keyblade wielder will remember. 
Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I didn't think about him being making sh- Or I guess more that's more context uh, of chain of memories. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about the shitty joke he was making. I just thought he was being weird, but yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's being a fun boss. Yeah. Yeah, he's you know, we we had a rough quarter recently. Um <laughs> half of our members died. Uh it doesn't get much rougher than we that. We made a replica and something happened. I kind of lost the plot on that one. So I just thought, you know, Yeah, I, f- I feel like there was a girl, I don't know. But I just thought I could just bring a little more levity to the office, so um you know, I'm gonna be fun boss now. Fun boss. So yeah, you all can chip in, and we'll have a pizza party. Yeah. Um. Uh, only one topping, though. Sorry. <laughs> Sadness. <laughs> it's the cheapest. That's that's it for this part. It's good to be back. I missed Kingdom Hearts. Too. Yeah. It being back in it now, I'm like, oh, this is a lot better than what we've been watching for a while. Yeah, I I do I do stand by the way that we experienced it. I think that that really adds a lot to Roxas's story, but well, I think it, it yeah. yeah, I think it would be probably irritating for me to just be like in the dark about all this stuff for a while. You know. Yeah, it's it's okay because like all you all you really need to know about Roxas throughout the prologue is like stuff that you get, which is he lost his memories, and Axel is his friend, and he used to be in the organization. Oh, I just mean... And you get all I just that. mean you would be talking around a lot of stuff a lot more. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I sure yeah. would. Yes, I think it'd be irritating as for the... You'd just be like... I'd have questions, and you wouldn't be able to answer any of them at all. I, I would give you the well. Well, yeah. Well. Well. Uh, this is uh, Wish Us Duck. Okay. The segment where we go duck ourselves. What are we saying this this week? Can, can I get a heartless, heartless, heartless? Probably not, but sure, yeah. <laughs> All right. There we go. I, I heard, heard it. it. I heard it yep. in there. Let me give it a go. All right. Ooh, that sounded like it really. It happened again toward the end, where it like popped. The voice popped out of my mouth. It sounded very painful. It it wasn't. It's it's hard to maintain. Yeah. Though. Talk to your doctor if you maintain a Donald Duck voice for more than five seconds. Or for 40 years as the person doing it, or whatever. (laughs) Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Next time, we're going to Beast's Castle. Oh. And maybe somewhere else. I haven't decided how far we're going to watch yet. Cool. Good to see Beast again. Yay. Uh, We are on Twitter at SoundsBoutLight.com. Co-host at Sounds About Light, and I'm on co-host at Positive Stress. I'm on co-host at Achilles Heelys, and you can always hear me on the F Plus and stuff. And you can sometimes hear me on Extra Credit. Oh yeah, you get and you know if you look at the <laughs> the art for the Apple Reviews episode, you might see somebody that you recognize on the cover of that episode. Oh boy. I don't know if I have seen the art. I'll have to take a look. You'll have to take a look. Um, oh, oh, yeah, and we're hosted on Noispace.xyz. We're hosted on Noispace with podcasts like Prime Cuts about Transformers, Pod Agreed about Yu-Gi-Oh! Doctor Huh? Which is your good show? That's my show. Yeah. Zero to Zero, which is my other show. Yeah. And many more. And like we say at the end of every episode... <laughs> nope. Keyblade. Keyblade. Wanted to draw that one out to say it for as long as possible. Bye. Bye. Pete?
You know him? We sure do. Pete's been causing trouble for ages. His Majesty banished him to another dimension a long time ago. I wonder how he escaped. <laughs> you want to know how, eh? Well, Maleficent busted me out, that's how. And now your world, no, 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 all the worlds, are going to belong to yours truly. Because uh, Maleficent's going to help me conquer them. Maleficent, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are you laughing at? Why, Maleficent's power is so great that... She's toast. Huh? Sorry, but Maleficent can't help you now. What do you mean? You! So you're the ones that did it! Well, we might have had something to do with it. <laughs>